A man has high hopes for his marriage. It is desire for something more than his present aloneness that pushes him to the altar with his bride. He wants to connect and to be known. He wants to love and be loved. But the realities of married life often don't match his dreams. There are the inevitable disappointments, the irritations, the unforeseen landmines. Add to that family of origin patterns, financial pressures, sexual issues, and the busyness of life with children. And it's not difficult to understand that marriage can be hard, really hard. So it's easy to understand why couples check out. This is not what they signed up for when they signed their marriage license. Half of all marriages today don't make it. Many of the ones that do stay together are troubled or disconnected. I've watched many marriages over the years shipwreck on the shoals of contempt and unresolved conflict. Others I've watched simply wither and slowly die. Heidi and I have been married now for almost 33 years. We have weathered storms that I didn't think would end. We have passed through dark places where there seemed to be little or no light. Let's go back to a minute to those high hopes in marriage. Yes, it is not good for a man to be alone. Yes, it is legitimate to want to be loved. Yes, there is something a woman can give to a man that can be a part of completing him. All of the difficulties in marriage do not negate these core desires, but it's the way we go about them that gets us into trouble. Jesus had a different way of doing relationships, and it plots a whole different course. If I had to paraphrase his teaching here, it would be something like this. What you need most can only come from me. Let me serve you first. Come to me with your desire to be known and loved. I will meet you there as your elder brother. I will give you what you need. Then you will have the freedom to enter your marriage with something to offer. Go and serve her as I have served you. This is how you become heroic with me. We enter into the life of heroic greatness by allowing Jesus to serve us first. We stop and learn to receive his fierce and undying love for us. As the writer of Hebrews says, he is not ashamed to call us brothers. It is that fierce brotherly love that will set things aright in a man's soul. Give him a backbone of masculine sturdiness and send him off to offer what is life-giving to his wife. This is the game changer for any marriage. For women live with carefully guarded hearts, and for good reason. The beauty of a woman's soul is easily tarnished and vandalized. The violations a woman endures, especially at the hands of other men, compel her to hide that beauty. But the noble husband finds a way to unlock her soul. He finds a key. He becomes a warrior for her soul, offering what he has without demanding a certain response. In doing so, he practices the heroic love Paul envisioned. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is the heroic marriage. Now, none of this answers all the questions that will come up in any marriage, 
but it does give the trajectory in which those answers can be found. It is the heroic path blazed by Jesus. It is the heroic path he desires to guide men on. I'm Bill Delvo, and this is Heroic, a podcast about the surprising path to true manhood. One of the most important places a man can live out the heroic journey is with the person to whom he has committed his life, his wife. It can transform a marriage from one that is just surviving to one that is flourishing. For this podcast, we have invited two guests to join us. Brown Bannister, and his daughter, Ellie Holcomb. Brown is one of the most decorated recording producers around with 25 Dove Awards and 15 Grammys, and his records have sold over 50 million copies. But after 40 years of producing, he left the studio to become the director of the School of Music at Lipscomb University. Here he teaches and coaches college students in the world of music recording. Ellie Holcomb, Brown's daughter, has her own growing musical career, playing with her husband, Drew, and recording her own songs on several albums and EPs. She has also authored a children's book, Who Sang the First Song? All of Ellie's work can be found at ellieholcomb.com. Brown and Ellie provide a unique perspective on marriage together as father and daughter, talking openly about its challenges and joys. Here are some of the topics the three of us will address. What surprised them both about marriage? How they came to breaking points in their marriage? How a marriage shapes the marriage of the parents' children? And what God has taught them through marriage? Amazingly, I met Brown over 35 years ago. He mixed the tracks for the first songs I ever recorded. Today, our lives have circled back around again as I help him teach a class at Lipscomb. And I got to know Ellie as a high school student when I was teaching Bible at Christ Presbyterian Academy here in Nashville. It's been so gratifying to watch her grow and spread her wings as a musical artist. Brown and Ellie, it's just so good to have you both here today with us. Um, Let's just start with the uh, sort of the number game. I've said I've been married 33 years. So, Brown, how long have you been married? Almost 38 years. Well, you got me beat there. You got me beat. And then... um, Ellie, what about you? Drew and I have been married for 12 years. So we've got quite a spectrum here, and we have um, lots of experience and lots of stories. So let's jump in with this question. Coming into marriage, what surprised you? I think think coming into marriage, I I, I was surprised really the most by, I thought growing up that... um, that being married was going to complete me. There's that scene in the Jerry Maguire movie with like the biggest right. lie, yeah. like you complete me. <laughs> yes, right. And um, and I, I thought that once I was married, I would stop looking for a relationship to complete me because I would have this is the person. This everything is my I person. Need right everything here. I need. Yes. And I think for me, I I had to realize that really I had probably. Um, in a lot of ways, like marriage was an idol for me that I thought mm. this is what I need to be able to be okay in in the world. And when I got married and all of a sudden I wasn't, it just didn't fix every problem. Um, right. I was like, oh man, 
um, I it, it just solidified what I had really learned before then. But that that God, my heart is made for the Lord. And unless I am like being filled up, it's just exactly like what you said, unless I'm being filled up by him. Um, this is not going to work out very right. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I I knew that in my head, but seeing that fleshed out in, in our marriage, it, it, felt, it still felt surprising to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm really grateful for my husband, Drew. I think it was on our second date. He said, uh, I'm crazy about you. I want to love you really well, but I'm just a man. And I'm going to fail you. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to let you down. And I need you to run after Jesus as hard as you can because he's going to be able to love you far better than I'll be able to. And I want you to be loved the very best. Wow. That's just that's that's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. And so so I knew that going in. But you're still I still still have those images. Yeah. And so I think it was so helpful for for me. So often, if if there would be tension, because I would be wanting more from him, and he's like, hey, I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to lay my life down for you, but I am not the Lord. And right. so, and he's crazy about you. You know, so I'm really grateful. Um, I didn't expect to have to be, re- to reorient my heart to the Lord first right. over and over again as much as I have had yeah. to. And I'm, and I'm grateful for new mercies every day. <laughs> yes, and we need them. <laughs> so I learned to do that every day. That's awesome. Brown, what about you? What surprised uh, you? I think what marriage? surprised me is that uh, it, it took a number of years for it to even dawn on me. But I think what surprised me most is that I had no clue what relationship was, mm. what an intimate relationship was. Um, you know, I come from a great family. Come, I'm a workaholic by nature. Uh, I come by that honestly, and uh, that's just what – that's who I was. That's who I was before I got married, and it's who I was after I got married. That And, and walking down the aisle doesn't change I'm not, anything. Yeah, I'm not proud to admit that. I mean, I was crazy head over heels about this blonde-haired – well, blonde-haired at the time – blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl, Debbie Hogue, that I was about to marry – I just had no framework for what that really meant. And it's been interesting. Um, you know, there's obviously more to that story, but it's been interesting watching my older two kids who are married and watch them navigate marriage at such a much higher oh. level than what, what Debbie and I had for the first, you know, first number of years. So, yeah, that was a, that was a huge surprise. Yes, I, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sort of reading back, thinking about my own experiences, and like I feel the same way about my own daughter. I feel like who's now married. They, she went into it with a much better, I think a much like said higher framework about how this yeah. whole thing works than mm-hmm. I did. Let's let's talk about the hard places here. So, has your marriage had a breaking point where it's like? we have to change something or this is going to crumble. And, and what happened? How did you negotiate past that? Well, I'll start because it's just, it's a continued yeah, keep going. thread you from what we just talked about. Um, like I said, I was a workaholic. I love, I love what I did. I got what I've gotten to do, you know, um, producing records. I've loved that. And 
I love the creative process. Um, I, when I came into being a producer, there was a mission to it, too, because I was involved in Christian music. So there was this sort of higher sense of purpose right. and calling, a trap that people involved in ministry or, you know, whatever, kind of easily fall into. But it just seemed so important. Uh, you couple that with uh, just the tendency to be a perfectionist and, mm-hmm. you know, the workaholic thing. And, uh, you know, we had a very, I would say, Debbie and I and the kids, I mean, Ellie and Ben were young through those years, but we had a very amiable relationship. You know, we got along. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just that I didn't show up. I was working sometimes six days a week, 14, 16 hours a day. I was traveling to L.A. and working in L.A. a couple of months a year. So all of that kind of compounded, and um, it just sort of hit the fan at, I would say, about seven seven years in. And Debbie is awesome. She's amazing. She is loyal. She's a fighter. She's a listener. She is, she's just all in, in terms of relationship. Um, but I wasn't meeting her there. And one night we had a, a pretty big argument. Uh, I will never forget that. It kind of made, I, I was so mad. I, I remember going into the bedroom, slamming the door and literally all the paint like flaked off the door jamb. <laughs> that's quite, that door, was that's quite a door slam. <laughs> yeah. And she, because um, she had just sort of reached her mm-hmm. boiling point, and she said, look, I, I, I know I have options. I love you. I'm not going anywhere, but I am going to change the locks on the door mm-hmm. if something doesn't change. So I just... I just need you to think about that, and and of course, that's what made me mad, and you know that's when I kind of threw my tantrum, and that that drove us to the point of actually going to get help and get counseling, and uh, that's really what turned it. You know, was that process? It was a long process, about a year, year and a half of of like every week counseling, and then another ten years to sort of turn the Titanic around. You know, but. Fortunately, by God's grace and uh, honestly, by Debbie's determination to stay in it, uh, we were able to avoid the iceberg to continue the metaphor. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to change. It change is, is hard. The deep things are it's really so hard. hard. And as I find in my work with men, we don't really go there until we're forced to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even then— we can choose not to. That's right. Because it, it's the painful way. Mm-hmm. This this deep change. We tend to, men tend to avoid pain. Yes. I, I I think that's kind of a common thread, and I certainly was no different. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ellie, what about you? Um, well, I would say I I am. Uh, I call myself a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> so, kind of a bit like father or daughter. I take after, yep, exactly. I take <laughs> after so, uh, You dad. take honestly after him. I come by it honestly. Um, and I am uh, extremely averse to conflict. And mom and dad, I mean, just like he just said, 
um, they worked through a lot of their their harder times when when I was younger. And so I honestly didn't see, I mean, it was a really happy, beautiful, loving home. Like they just modeled out a really amazing um, relationship, not a ton of conflict or fighting or mm-hmm. uh, angry, hurtful words. That just honestly wasn't a thing. And um, and so, but because of that, I, I really thought really incorrectly, it wasn't that they never had conflict. They kind of did that maybe more out of the, it, you know, just person to person, not in front of us. Right. It was not like a, mm-hmm. a home where they fought a lot. I just, I, w- I did not realize that conflict was a very necessary part of a- Absolutely necessary. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I had the same hard lesson to learn. Today. Oh, man. So mm-hmm. I got I got three years in and my friend, um, one of my friends uh, that I grew up with sent me a kind of a funny article that said it's it's three years when you realize you married the wrong person. And really that every person is the wrong person because they're a person. They're a warm body who breathes. They're a warm body who breathes and they're a sinner and, and self, you know, it just is, you're going to come into that kind of rub. And I laughed out loud um, because I, I had been avoiding conflict or avoiding saying anything uh, controversial controversial or anything that would that would lead to conflict um so even if I was hurt I would not bring that up because I just wanted there to be peace and and really it wasn't peace at all it was just this bleeding open wound not that my husband was yelling at me or we actually had like a pretty like amiable Amiable, wonderful relationship kind of like mom Mm -hmm. and dad and um and I uh, we were also performing together, so we're both in music. And you put a people pleaser in a job where it is literally your job to perform, and you put your marriage in the middle of that. And it is like you have a, a person who's in need of intensive counseling <laughs> in like 2.5 to 3 years. And so I, I had this thought on stage one night. I was like, all of these people love me and they think I am amazing and what is wrong with you and and he really loved me too it wasn't like it was this a lot there was a lot of conflict but he had wounded me and didn't know that he had wounded me because I'd never told him and so um I showed up in counseling um and I was that girl that went to counseling that I was like so I have this friend uh who's going through a really hard time and by the end of the hour third person I literally well I I had a friend who really made some accusations um, of our marriage and and it had had been a really hard thing because I was like nothing's wrong we're fine we're fine and uh, but they had actually hit the nail on the head of some things that they had said and so um, it began the path to me um, really to freedom I, I just I I had no idea how wounded I was and how many wounds I carried into my marriage and so I walked in with a bunch of baggage that I'd never dealt with because I didn't want to I was like, God's good. He's faithful. And that is true. But I think sometimes I wanted to skip the the painful process yes. of unpacking some of those wounds yeah. and, and of unpacking the unhealthy lies that I was believing and the patterns that, had, that I had formed in my life because of those wounds. And so um, it was it was about kind of like dad said, about a year long process of me learning how to be real because uh, I was a liar. I didn't know it 
but I was lying to myself. I was lying to mm. yeah. my husband and then wow. to, to God, to everyone else, because yeah. I just wanted to be okay. And it was really in my unraveling uh, and in entering into all the pain that I've been running from my whole life uh, that I found the power of the cross and, and the power of the gospel of entering into those deep wounded places. Mm. And so um, I began to tell the truth first to myself and then to my husband. And it 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 was a hard, painful process, but uh, it has been freedom like I've never known. And a beautiful relationship like I didn't know could exist. I didn't think was possible. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and that's, that's a trajectory in... I think when uh, a man and a woman get on this path and they realize, oh, what we started with we thought was going to be it, it's like, no, 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 no. There's something down the road past the dark corridors and the the blind valleys and the difficult places and the storms. Mm -hmm. If you just keep going, there's this place you could never have imagined. That's it. It really, and honestly, I remember the first time we had a crazy conflict. We were actually in London. I cried all the way on the on the London Eye on that Ferris wheel I just saw. <laughs> and we went back to the hotel and sat in the lobby and hashed through this. I mean, mm. anyway, just hashed through it. And I remember at the end of that first conversation having so much hope because I was like, you're still here. Like, That's right. We're still. You're, you don't want to leave. Mm. Even though it was, this was really hard and painful, and um, man, I just continue to find that goes deeper and deeper. You know, the more years we yeah. walk through, it does. It's it beautiful. Does. It is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing to see, and you know, I can I can point to those moments in my own marriage where I was like, you know, I don't know, I don't know if this is gonna if we're going to be able to make this here. Like, how are we going to negotiate this turn, this pass? And, you know, again, uh, there's so many similar things because it was Heidi's determination. She says, I am not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And, of course, just like you, I was conflict-averse. She wanted to engage. I was conflict-averse. So when I pull back, she would even get angry. It's just like, I want to engage with you. Why are you running? And, of course, I had to come and face my own fear of conflict and, all that's behind that. And when we started engaging in the really hard place, it's all of a sudden that's when things started to shift. Yeah. And move. <laughs> and it's like, this is not this is not what I thought it was gonna be at all. This is so much harder and so much better. Yeah. I I tell people a lot of times, like it's the it's the best work I've ever done. Like mm-hmm. it's the hardest probably, <clears throat> but the best and the most beautiful and and gratifying as her dad just watching their marriage it's it's been amazing it's been inspirational to me drew we are so glad to have him in our family (laughs) his dna in our gene pool for our grandkids (laughs) it's just amazing to have him we feel that about ben's wife too but he is such he's such a strong person yes and such a strong personality and very articulate Mm -hmm. and it it was you know as a parent you can't wade into those waters you just sort of stand back and observe and pray for them and just watching Ellie find her voice and then identifying things that were you know all the stuff that she was just talking about man what a, what a beautiful process to watch and we're just so thankful you know uh, for the way they've walked through that 
So you've spoken about watching their marriage. So let's turn it around. Ellie, talk for a minute about what 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 was it like? Because you've already alluded to it, but could you go there? Talk about how your parents' marriage, how that shaped your marriage. Sure. I well, I think um, the the negative, which is interesting, because it's like they they had this beautiful, loving relationship. They made me want to be married because I was like, oh, that is wow beautiful like you get to go through life with somebody and and you're for each other and so I am I'm just like so grateful for that I didn't get to see as much conflict as I probably like I probably would have benefited from them fighting a little bit more in front of us um but we did have conflict as a family and and Mm -hmm. they modeled when especially I'm the oldest of five and so with conflict with siblings inevitably obviously comes up because people and um and it was a really beautiful thing um they were really good about gathering together and drawing us together in conflict rather than pushing us apart and so we did learn as a family uh to work through conflict together but I think the most beautiful thing is seeing um, mom's determination um, to stick with dad Mm -hmm. even with all the workaholism stuff and then dad coming to us um, to my mom first and then to all the kids saying I don't really have anything to offer you but the gospel God's love and then repentance because I uh, have have had my priorities wrong um, and so the f- freedom um, that that gave us to see like, oh, man, you can do something wrong for, you know, and have your priorities mixed up f- for a mm-hmm. while. Long time. Um, and it wasn't that we didn't know that he loved us, but just the timing, the way he structured time and, and priorities. We just missed him a lot and he missed a lot of us growing up. And so for him to come to my mom to watch that modeled out for us, that re- living in a repentant way and to say, oh my goodness, I did not do that right. I need a do-over. Mm-hmm. And will you please forgive me? The freedom that that's given me as a, as a wife to say, okay, I did not do that right. Please forgive me. And to, to have that modeled out in a really beautiful, like tangible way. Um, and then not only as a wife, but as a parent, to say like I am not all I want to do is to do this right and I am not going to do this That's right. That's right. We're going to I am going to mess, mess it up. up. We're going to mess and, it up. And and man, um, I need you to forgive me and 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 I want to model that out for my kids and then in my marriage as well. Um, and so I I am so grateful. Um, and and Drew's parents do this as well. Uh, repent and just say like come to each other and say I'm so sorry I was wrong we forgive me and so that model ha- enables true relationship like yeah. and um, yes. and and it is a model of how Christ is with us and so um, to see that fleshed out uh, has has given me the freedom to do that in my own re- relationship and I think it's why I felt free to go to counseling as early as I did three years in of going, okay, mm. I have not been doing this right and I need some help and that's okay. It <laughs> is okay, that's right. So, that's you know, someone once said that the uh, reason why forgiveness is so powerful is because when we forgive, that is the place where we are most like God. And I think that's, yeah. there's some real truth to that. And when I listen to you, the other thing it reminds me of in relationships, kind of like broke bones, when they break and they heal, they're actually stronger. <laughs> it's like the rupture, when it's repaired, 
and we've all experienced it, there's something that's even stronger now. Mm-hmm. And so it's yeah. actually the, the repentance that comes <clears throat> after the break that can just make a relationship that much richer and deeper and yeah. wider. Yeah. It's amazing. It is amazing. Um, so let's move. We talked a lot on the, bit on the horizontal level. Let's kind of move to the vertical in terms of the Lord and his work in our marriages. What has God taught you in the process of cultivating a loving marriage? How has he um, shaped you and grown you and just anything you want to say along those lines? What has he taught you? Mm-hmm. And you can sort of end it kind of maybe where you are now a little bit. So yeah, process. sure. You want to go first? Sure. Um, he is, well, I think uh, along the lines of what Ellie was just talking about, uh, I think one of the, and there's so many big things, one of the biggest things he taught me was just to be confessional with my wife and with my kids. Uh, it's hard, it's so hard to do that, you know, because you want to be the right person. You want to be the role model. You want to be the great dad or whatever. But it was pretty hard to miss the fact that I had missed out on a a lot of that, um, you know, with the kids growing up in terms of being a great dad. And uh, that point that Ellie was talking about, which I came to both with Debbie and the kids, of just going, I have missed it. I'm sorry. I got nothing except the willingness to to try to try to allow the Lord to shape, reshape me. Right. And basically, w- what he did was he just more and more just turned my heart to home. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was that was kind of the miraculous work. And it, it's so crazy to say that because. They are such awesome people. I mean, you know, the kids and Debbie. I mean, it's crazy that God would have to reshape my heart and turn my heart that way. But um, I would say that's probably one of the biggest things. If I could say another thing, um, I really saw this modeled out in Debbie's dad. Uh, My my, uh, mother and uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law actually moved to Texas right when we moved three blocks from them. I don't know if there was an underlying statement or... <laughs> we'll, we'll just let that one Yeah, subtext. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, they moved to Texas, and oddly enough, they ended up living with my parents for maybe a year while they were building a house, which is kind of crazy. It should have been a sitcom. <laughs> but Ron is a real servant, and he would get up and, you know, he cooks, and he would get up and wash dishes, and my dad literally would say... Ron, come sit down. That's woman's work. That's a woman's mm-hmm. work. Now, that my dad was awesome, and he bought a $3,000 engraving machine just to make a brass plaque that said, I love you, baby, that he put on the windowsill in front of the sink where she should be washing dishes. <laughs> right? <laughs> Is there a subtext there, Maybe. I guess that is. Uh, but honestly, from from Debbie's dad, who was such a such a man's man, he was so 
just masculine and macho and just athletic and amazing, but he served. And so really from watching him, I learned that, um, you know what? This is the right way to go. And so I started, as God was turning my heart to home, he just started showing me ways I could serve Debbie. And about, about the time the music industry royalty stream started taking a nosedive, my, my wife started doing this other job and just had this sort of explosive kind of career. And it was so awesome because I had already been set up to just back off production work more and stay home and do laundry and set up events for her and do the dishes and, and really, really just um, just invest in her. Mm-hmm. And man, that was, a, that was a really great thing for our marriage. And what I didn't realize because of the context I came from is that it's, you, you know, the whole, they, they say it's a, you know, you talk about a 50-50 kind of deal, it's 100-100, you know. I mean, it really is, uh, and, and watching marriages, good marriages these days, like Drew, Drew and Ellie, like Ben and Sarah, I mean, everybody's just, hey, we're in this together. Yeah. It's a team effort, yeah. you know. There's too much to do with jobs and yes. schedules and kids and laundry and dirty diapers and yeah. all that stuff, as much as Drew hates to change a dirty diaper <laughs> he, he is it. awesome <laughs> so so i think the servant the th- servant part of it i mean obviously jesus modeled that out uh, but but man it is so real and you don't have to say you don't have to say i love you you know in words i mean you're just Let's like living out the gospel Let's you know when it. you do that so i think those two things have been huge yeah. from the lord that's great Ellie, what about you? What would you want to say here? Um, I think uh, two things. One, I, the, the big, like, beautiful story for me is, um, I guess earlier you asked how we could, were surprised in marriage. I didn't realize you could be lonely in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, especially those first three years when I wasn't uh, being honest, because, you know, it's pretty lonely when you're not. No one knows you because you're not letting them. Um, but I think um, it was during that time and, and during that year of counseling um, is that I realized, like, the the Lord is my husband. Like, he is my dearest friend. He knows me. He sees all the things that I was hiding. He saw them anyway, <laughs> and even though I was ignoring them. Um, all the pain, all the mistakes that I made. Um, and so there is this beautiful thing that, that has happened for me and continues to happen as I understand more and more how he loves me the best, which is I had a good start because my husband told me that at the very beginning. But there has been a depth of understanding of that. And then when I come from that place of knowing that I'm accepted, that I'm loved, that I am beloved. Um, I it has changed the way that I approach our relationship and our marriage. I'm not looking for that from my husband. I'm receiving that and then able to give and and serve in a way that I wouldn't be able to uh, when I was so insecure and needy. And um, I am just really grateful for. Uh, I guess 
I think Tim Keller calls it the reordering of the loves. It's <laughs> mm. a great way to put it. And, uh, and, and so it's, it has been a constant reordering of the loves for me. And it's not that these other loves are bad, um, but they are lesser than the, the love of God that we are all made for. And so um, that, that reordering process has been beautiful for me. And then... Um, the second thing um, is that I think, and I don't know if this is because I'm just like a woman in the South, but uh, I love hearing dad. I, I got to see that modeled out of dad serving mom and and uh, seeing my mom's gifts and her individual personality. And um, I think I thought for a long time that the woman's job was to be, I mean, kind of like poppy, like in the kitchen, in the background. Right. And um, I'm not saying that a woman's place isn't at home at all, but I think um, it was a really important thing for me to see. I thought that I had to just disappear um, oh. rather than, like, I thought laying my life down was was lose yourself totally. And so oh. it has been such a, <laughs> such a beautiful thing to have a husband to say, like, no, I... I do not want you to disappear. I want you to be who you are and to call that out of me um, rather than to say, yeah, disappear so I can be the one. Be everything. Be everything. Um, mm. And and for not only my husband to call that on me, but for God to say, hey, I've given you gifts that your husband doesn't have. And I actually need you to just be you <laughs> and um, and lay your whole self down, not lose yourself, but lay, be who you are and then lay all of who you are and bring that into a marriage. I, I am so grateful. Um, I think I, I could have married some people who would have just let me disappear. And I'm so grateful um, that God's heart is for each one of us to be the unique person that he made us to be. And I guess my counselor calls that individuating. Like, I don't have to be just yes. like Drew That's and Drew word. doesn't have That's to be just word, like me. Is. We can celebrate the gifts that, that are in each other. And and we can actually celebrate the hard things that are in each other and lean in in both places. And um, I am so grateful for that because I think, um, yeah, I, I'm, I feel um, so much more the full version of who God made me to be and continuing to become that rather than just disappearing. <laughs> yeah. You know, both of you have in this podcast done something that I am so grateful for and that you've both spelled out, yes, marriage is hard, but also this is so hopeful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's so, so worth much it. So worth it. That is so beautiful. And um, so anyway, thank you so much for sharing your story, sharing your life, and sharing your hearts with us today. We really appreciate it. This has been Heroic. Join us for the next episode as we move from marriage to parenting and explore how a man can be that heroic warrior servant for his children. If you're enjoying the Heroic Podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend who might want to listen in. Rating and word of mouth are the best ways to get the word out. You might also like my book, Heroic, The Surprising Path to True Manhood. Heroic will give you what you need to take the journey to become a man. It will help you find your guide for the journey, own your true identity, and discover your quest. This is how we become truly heroic. 
Go to heroicbook.com for more information and to order a copy. That's heroicbook.com.